That sounds weird, don't it? You don't usually get up and thank God for a migraine. But I want to thank God for a migraine this morning. I didn't realize this morning until after the first service that I hadn't even told my daughter and son about this personally. I told Kristen yesterday. But I should not be standing here. I'm not saying that evangelistically speaking. I'm not saying that to overemphasize anything. I should be dead. Uh, I was, it was almost my time on Thursday. And here's what happened. I, I, I have always gotten bad headaches ever since I was a kid. I can remember being 10 years old and my mom having to rub my head. And just I've always had bad headaches. And then I remember one time I was thinking about this. We came home for, from Costa Rica one time, and I had a headache for two weeks straight. The whole time we were here, do you remember that? The whole trip I had a headache. And so I've gotten over it. God has healed me, and I very rarely have them now, thank God. And I've also learned how to manage them. I've learned how to not get them. Uh, for me, it's drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, and wearing sunglasses. I don't wear my sunglasses to look cool. I look wear them because I don't like headaches. Well, I got a headache this week. Sometimes it's stress. There's all kinds of different re reasons that you can get it, allergies, whatever. But I got a really bad headache on Tuesday or Wednesday, and I had it for several days. I had it Wednesday night at church. And uh, we have these pills that I get in Costa Rica. They're not drugs. They're just good pills for a migraine. They're called migras, and they don't sell them here in the United States. And they've been a lifesaver for me and my family. Now, my, unfortunately, my daughters have both kind of acquired the headaches, and they're battling through that sometimes. So I've given them my pills. But they're like gold to me because if I get a really, really, really bad headache and I can't function, I'm able to take them. And 90% of the time, they'll knock the, that, that migraine out. But I don't just pop them. I, I really have to get bad before I take it because I don't want to waste them, and I also don't like taking medicine. So Wednesday before church, I took a couple of Tylenols. Did nothing for me, went through the service, and uh, kept putting off that, that, those, those pills. So Thursday happens, and I came into town and did some stuff and was heading back home. And so I live in, Carl and I live in Bridgeport. So if you go to 380 right here, straight west 40 minutes on the freeway is where we live. And Decatur is the city you go to before you get to Bridgeport. Well, out there, there's a lot of those cement trucks, those big cement trucks. How many know those trucks drive too fast anyways? I, any trucks. I wish they'd put a limit on them at 55. I know that people got to get some places, but trucks are so dangerous. And so anyways, uh, uh, Jimmy was telling me that Decatur used to be, before they put the road widened, it was one of the most dangerous places in the whole state of Texas at that intersection at 380 and Decatur. But I was sitting there, came into Decatur, came out of Decatur, and I was sitting at the light to go back on 380, another 15 minutes to go home. Well, I kept putting off taking those pills, and I'm sitting at the light, and all of a sudden, just, just, just like that, I got this, it, my headache got really bad. And so I'd been putting it off. I grabbed the, the medicine, I opened them up, and I was popping them open, and I was grabbing my water. And in those few seconds that it took to take the medicine, because I had a migraine, the light turned green, and I went out into the intersection. And coming west to east, my, my truck literally shook as a, as a semi-cement truck flew right in front of my car and missed me by inches and ran a red light going 50 or 60 miles an hour. So if I wouldn't have had a migraine and I wouldn't have taken those pills, I would not be here today. I can tell you that right now. And if I, would, if I was still alive, I would be wishing I wasn't. So... I thank God this morning that it was not my time yet to go, and he allowed me. I think about all the time in 48 hours I could have taken those pills, but I took them at that light for that split second. Amen? So I just want to testify that it's not my time yet. Amen? That God still got me here for a reason. How many know we've had a lot of encounters like that? So thank God for that migraine. But I don't want another one, Lord. That's you're going to save me from something. Amen. So now I want to get into, real quick this morning, two things. Today's Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to get into what that means in just a second. Some people don't know. Some people do. But I, I, as a pastor, will not ever ignore the things that are going on in our country. I'll never um, act like things don't happen. I'll never over, overlook them. I will always deal with them. No matter what goes on, I like to stop and, and talk about things. And unless you've been living under a rock, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on. As Casey mentioned at the prayer time, in our country, there's a lot of racial tension, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of rioting, uh, and, and, and not this isn't the only incident, of course, but we know the incident that happened uh, with this man being held on the ground, knee to his throat. We have several police officers in our church know that that is not even legal protocol as a police, police officer to put your knee on a neck like that. 
Uh, I've, I've seen the video. Ever, and I'm not a judge. I'm not a jury, but it was wrong. It was wrong. It should not have happened, and, and I'm glad that guy got arrested. And, 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 but now what's gone from there is all this other stuff that's escalating, and uh, we as, as believers obviously do not condone or, or uh, say that it is good to do this looting and rioting and all this stuff they're doing. But if we're honest and real this morning, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of frustration going on. And I want to mention as the pastor of this church, and so you know this morning what our stand is, is we do not stand for or, or, or allow or put up with racism in any way, shape, or form. Amen? If you look around this church, you will see every color, every size, every race, different backgrounds, different uh, uh, social groups. They're all here because this is what the church is supposed to look like. Can somebody say amen? This is on purpose. This is deliberate. Amen? This isn't an accident that the church looks like this because we will not allow that hatred or that, that favoritism to be in this place, and God won't. He will not allow it. Amen? We are brothers and sisters in here this place, and we are to love each other. And so I want to make that clear again. And I want to just give you a few scriptures about the heart that we should have. Because as Christians, we are called to be light in the darkness. Amen? And, and uh, we, we, we have got to, we, you know, we don't have the platform. I wish I had a bigger platform. I wish I had 10,000 people listening to me right now. But you know what? We all do have a platform, and that's the people that are around us. That's the people that will listen to us. That's the people that we have influence over. And we, we can do something this morning. But I want to I tell you a few things. We're going to be in just a, a second, if you'd go there, in Philippians, or sorry, James chapter 2. If you'd just go there real quick. I want to show you something in the scriptures. I want everybody to see this. It will be on the screen. But I want, I want to talk to you from my heart this morning because we've got to get this right. Amen? We've got to get this right. Before you came in and got saved, before you knew the Lord, you could have excuses and you could think a certain way. But when you become a believer, things change. Things have to change. And we need to know what the attitude and the perspective and the view a Christian should have is. And so we're going to be in James chapter 2 in just a moment. But I want to, um, let me get over there myself. I want to mention this. This is important. We, we are good as human beings at thinking a certain way. A lot of times the way we think is how we were raised. You may have been raised in a home where there was racism. You may have been raised in a home where there was joking. You may have been raised in a home where it wasn't tolerated, it, where, where it, that wasn't accepted. I don't know what, what background you came from, but once you get to the cross, it's equal playing ground. Everybody is equal. Amen. And that's what the Bible teaches us. And so we as Christians have to understand that. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it. When you think back, because a lot of times, listen, the bottom line is there are times when things happen where you can distinctly see with your eyes a color, a difference in skin, or a situation. But that is not the root of the problem. The root of the problem, we went over this on Friday morning. We had a great turnout. We had one of our best turnouts ever for, for um discipleship on Friday morning with the men. We had both those tables full back there, over 20 men here at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Amen. It was powerful. And we were going over this, and we took advantage of this to talk about this uh, with all the different races uh, involved. And you got to understand, this is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. It's sin. The root of hatred and violence and racism is sin. And if you think about it, if you go to the root of things, how many know as we just talked about my headache, for example? If you, don't, if you don't find out what the root of a headache is, you're going to keep popping pills, and the headache's never going to get better. But if you can figure out what causes that headache, you can, get, you can get a problem solved. That's the same thing with hatred and violence and prejudice and racism. It's, there's a root there, and it is sin. And the only thing that can fix that today is Jesus Christ and His blood and the cross. Can somebody say amen? That is the only thing that can fix this problem. But we got to understand, the first murder that ever happened was brother on brother. It wasn't a skin thing. If you go, to, if you go, if you've been outside of this country, we're a melting pot in this country, and we should embrace that and be thankful for all the cultures that we have, as much as sometimes people want us to be divided. It's a beautiful thing to have all these different cultures and colors and foods and, 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 and things that we do and things that we like and all these different things. But if you go to another country, you'll realize I've been to Africa. 
They kill each other. There's no color distinction in those tribes when they're killing each other. You go to a country where they're predominantly white or they're predominantly Hispanic, or they kill each other. We just like to take the news and make it about that. And the bottom line is that, yes, it exists, and yes, it happens, but the root is sin and hatred. Cain killed Abel. That wasn't a black on white or a white on black. That was a bro on bro. His, he killed his own brother with hatred, and the root of it started there when he took a rock and killed his own brother. And ever since that day, that's the hatred and that violence has been in our, in our society. We as Christians have to be the light in darkness. We have to be the voice of, of resolve. We have to be the voice of peace. We have to be the voice of truth. And, and, and if you think about it, church, it doesn't matter how. Listen, we do need new laws. We do need better laws. That's what they're rioting for and fighting for. And we do need more justice. But the bottom line is none of that's going to happen until Jesus comes back and rules on this earth. Because we live in a fallen world. But even if we change laws and constitutions and do all these different things, it's not going to change the heart of man. And the true problem is that our hearts need to change. We need to truly love God and follow his rules. And watch what James chapter 2 says. I want you to look at this. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Another word or synonym for partiality is prejudice or favoritism. He says, do not call my name. Do not claim to be my believer and be a partial person, a favoritism person, a prejudiced person, a racial person. He says, you cannot do that. If you hold the faith, you've got a higher standard. You've got to look at people through my eyes. Amen. For if there should come into your assembly... A man with gold rings and fine apparel. And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. Because let me just stop here for a second. Again, we try to make it about a skin color. It's way deeper than skin color. It's, it's how we look on an individual. If we treat somebody who has something different than we treat somebody who has nothing. That's wrong. That's what he's saying here. He's saying if someone that you know pulls up in a real nice car and they have real nice clothes and they smell real good and they've got some rings on and you know they've got some money, you're going to go over and shake their hand and you're going to treat them a certain way. But if someone else comes in and they stink a little bit or they, they look, look different than everybody else, you're going to avoid them. That's what he's addressing here. This is what he's saying cannot happen in the church. He says, you pay attention, verse 3, to the one wearing the fine clothes... Say, sit here in this good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. You realize that that's the, that's the root of what racism is and that's the root of what it is, is when somebody looks down on somebody and says, I'm better than you in any way, shape, or form. I'm better than you. Sit at my footstool. What does that mean? It means I'm, I'm better than you. You don't have what I have. You sit there. I'll be here. There's an attitude there we cannot have as Christians. I want you to think about something for a second. Is there one person in here that could raise their hand and tell me this morning that you had any power over where you were born? Or who you were born to? Or the circumstances that you were born into? Could anybody be bold enough to say, I was so bad? And when I say bad, I mean like good. I was so cool. I was so bad that I was born in this country, in this place. And this. Do you realize you have nothing to boast about of where you were born? No control over that. And just like you might be a person who might say, man, first of all, you better realize you're born in the, in the best country in the world. And we got people from a lot of countries here, but why are you here? You like this country, right? It's a great country. Everybody wants, everybody wants to knock the United States, but everybody's knocking on our door to get in it. We're in a great country. We're not great right now, but we're in a great country. Amen? We've got problems. But there's, we're, we're blessed to be born in this country. But you didn't have any power over that. So how can you boast about that? You, you, that was just what happened. Same time, there's a people who are born all over the world today in places where they didn't choose that. And they're born, listen to this, with an upstream all their life. Let's be real. Some people are born and it's downhill all their life. All their life. I mean, it's easy. It's easy gliding. 
Now, everybody's got to get to a certain age and start making choices. And here's the interesting and awesome thing about God in life. Somebody who was born with everything can have easy gliding and become nothing. And somebody who was born with nothing can swim upstream and trust God and believe God to help them and can become something from nothing. Amen. That is the great thing about being a human being, that you can do what you want with the cards that you're dealt. But to boast over where you were born is ridiculous because you don't have any power over that. What you do have power over is what you do with it. There was a man, I said this at a different time in the message this morning, but there was a man who we just watched on, on, uh, on Monday, I think, America's Got Talent. And this is before even any of this rioting started and happening and everything, and I texted myself, I'll, and when I get a thought, I'll text myself and I'll start to form something of, and God gave him this. There was this man, if anybody saw it on America's Got Talent, who had been in prison for 37 years for a crime he did not commit. Now, how many know when you go to jail, everybody says they didn't do it? But there are some people sitting in jail today who actually didn't do it. And this man was born into an area where he was tagged on something. He was a black man, and he, he was accused of rape, and he spent 37 years years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Matter of fact, he went on to say, as they were interviewing him and talking about his life, that, his, that at the trial, the fingerprints didn't even match. They needed someone to put in prison. It's not justice. But what did that man do with his life? What did that man who was born with an uphill swim and then thrown into prison for, can you imagine 37 years? That's all your life. Gets out in his 50s, and look what he did. Now he's on America's Got Talent. Millions of people are watching him on TV. He turned around and did something with his life. He didn't, he didn't pity party himself. He said, this is what happened to me, but I'm going to make something out of my life, and he did something. with it. Amen. How many get what I'm saying? What are you, you going to do with what you have? Stop making excuses. I was born here. I was born there. This happened. That happened. Start saying, God, help me. Become what you've called me to be in my life so I can be an overcomer because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Has anybody in here come out of something and become out of nothing and become something here this morning? Has anybody had your life turned around by the power of the cross? Amen. That means there's power in that name. So we got to know that he's the source. And watch, stay with me here. He says, have you shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts listen my beloved brethren has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him there's those blessings Casey was talking about watch this but you have dishonored the poor man do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Now watch this. Here's where it all comes together. If you really, look at verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What did Jesus say? He said all the Ten Commandments are summed up in this. That you would love your neighbor as yourself. How different would life be if we would just treat other people like we want to be treated? How different would life, now how much more should we as believers be that way? Because when you really begin to understand the cross, nobody deserves to be here. None of us deserve to be here. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good of a life you live. The Bible says your righteousness is filthy rags. Nobody deserves to be here. We're all here by grace, by mercy. And the more you understand that, the more you fall in love with who Jesus is. And the more of an answer you're going to have for a lost and dying world. Because this world doesn't need more religion. This world needs a people who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and Master and King. Not just someone who says, oh, we just need to go to church. This world needs to see Jesus in the church. Inside of our lives. And look at verse 9. Watch this. This is heavy. Tell the person next to you, this is heavy. But if you show partiality. 
doesn't say you make a mistake. He says you commit sin. If you show partiality, if you show racism, if you show favoritism, if you show uh, 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 discrimination, you sin. Sin. Church, we cannot call ourselves Christians and believers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and be racist or favoritism or partiality or treat people the way they shouldn't be treated. Kids, young people that are here listening, get this quick and, and young at your young age. It'll save you a lot of trouble. Because you will get older and you will, be, you will regret the things you said. And you will regret the things you did. And you will regret the way you treated people because you didn't know any better. And parents, you better teach your kids to love people at school. You better teach your kids to go and love that one person that nobody's talking to. Love on the kid that everybody's making fun of. Stick up for that person and make a difference. You better teach it to your kids because racism is taught. And if you're not teaching the opposite in your house... Shame on you. Amen. Can I be real with you? Are y'all still here? Am I preaching the truth? If you this week and any, and I believe it by in Jesus' name, nobody's done this. If, if you've joked, if you've laughed, if you've been like those idiots that got on social media and mocked this, this situation and got on the ground and handcuffed themselves and another person got on their knee and their neck, shame on you. If you've joked about that at all because that's somebody's family. They wouldn't be joking if that was their brother. Amen. It's the truth. What we need is more empathy. What we need as I close this part of the service and move into the second part is we need to look at situations different. Yet, what do, why do I have hand sanitizer? Not because this coronavirus is going around, although this is a commodity right here, right? This is worth some real money right here. But I'm going to get close enough. I want you to tell me what that says. What does that say? Hand sanitizer. Is that what it says? Y'all see that? See it? Okay. Go over here. Hand sanitizer. Big, big words. What do you see? I heard it, but I can't see it. <laughs> see it? Here's the attitude we need to have. Okay. Hand sanitizer. But, 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 but I'm looking at the same bottle as you are, and I see active ingredient, ethyl alcohol. I see warnings. I see distributed by Walmart. I see words that are too small to read. But we're looking at the same bottle, aren't we? But you're looking at it from a different perspective than, my, than I am. And I'm never going to be able to understand somebody else's perspective until I turn the bottle around and look at what they're looking at. Or until I come around to the other side and see what they're seeing. Until I put the shoes on that they're wearing. It's easy to say a lot of stuff. I said this in the first service, and I said this to the guys on Friday morning. I have never been pulled over by a police officer and felt scared. How sad is it to know that some of your brothers and sisters in this church have been pulled. Not, that doesn't make the police officer bad. We have police officers in this church. But the fact is, some of the people in this church have been pulled over at different times. And they have been treated in a way that we would ne never, they've been afraid. And maybe it's not even because of what that police officer is even saying to them. It's because of what they just saw on the news. That could happen. Are you all following me? But don't judge a man or a woman until you've looked from the other side of the bottle and seen from their perspective. That's what church people do. That's what Christians do. Christians look at a person's life and say, God, help me to understand where they come from. Help me to understand what they're going through. Help me to be able to put myself in their shoes because I do not want to show any kind of partiality to somebody. I want to treat everybody the way you treat them, equal at the cross. Quickly go to Philippians chapter 2. How do we do that? Now, I might not be talking to everybody. Some of you might say, you know what, I'm I'm not worried about that. I don't care about that. I, don't, I hope that's nobody in this church. 
I hope you're saying, God, help me. I want to be that person. Please help me treat people the right way. Please help me understand how graceful and merciful you've been to me. And if that's you, you might say, how do I do it, Pastor? How do I make sure that I don't live a racist life, a partiality life, a favoritism life? How do I make sure I don't commit that sin? How do I break the chains of some, maybe some that my parents taught me or my grandparents taught me or things that I saw or things that happened to me? How do I break that? How do I do this right? He says, therefore, if there's any, this is Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy. Does anybody in here need more affection and mercy? I'm not, I'm not asking about giving to you. I mean giving to others. You want to make a difference in this world? You want to affect people's lives? Ask God to give you more affection and mercy. Therefore, if any, sorry, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, of the mind of who? Of the mind of Christ. Watch this. Let nothing be done. Say nothing. Through selfish ambition or conceit. This goes back to where you were born. Conceit is coming from the word where we say they're conceited. If you're conceited about where you were born or where you were born to, that's ridiculous. You had no power over that. You have no reason to boast over that. That was a gift. Don't think higher of yourself, he says. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4, look at this. Let each of you, I think this is the verse I sent out today. Let each of you look out not only, no, this was yesterday, not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. What world, how different would this world be if we would do that? Amen? How many know we need to change? How many know we don't need to be like that person we used to be? You might say, well, I was raised this way and I was taught this way. Well, listen, if there's partiality or racism or anger or unforgiveness, you need to change the way you were. And you need to become like Christ. My Bible tells me if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And all things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Amen. Are there any new creations in here this morning? So are we clear of what our stand is, of who, who we are as a church and, and what we do and why we're so uh, deliberate about making sure that everybody knows that we're all the same here and everybody can feel welcome and everybody can feel like they're a part of what God is doing. Sh for just a couple minutes, let's shift into what today is. It's all going to come together as we pray for our country. You might have this week felt, as I have, pressure Anger, frustration, wondering, how can, how can I make a difference? How do I pray? What, what can we do? And, and God just reminds us, it all comes back to His power. It all comes back to His Spirit. It all comes back to the fact that Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. There's no other answer, amen? He's the answer. And so we individually need to become that, that which God has called us to be. But we cannot do that without His power. If you try to do it in your own power, you're not going to make it. And so today on the day of Pentecost, what we're celebrating is this is the anniversary, this is the birthday, however you want to call it, of the birth of the church. The church of Jesus Christ. Not of Latter-day Saints, amen, of current saints, hallelujah. How many are part of the church of, of Jesus Christ this morning? The body of Christ worldwide. We're part of Victory World Outreach, but we're part of the body of Christ around the world. And 2020 approximately, could be a few years less, few years more, approximately we are celebrating the anniversary of the church. Being born on the day of Pentecost. And what that means is 50th. That means it's been 50 days since Easter. 50 days since resurrection. And I want you to read with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one accord. Does that sound familiar? In one place. And suddenly 
there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. How many in just a little bit this morning when we began to worship began to feel just a little bit of what that might have felt like when the wind of the Holy Spirit began to come into that place? And you can just feel something's just about to happen. Someone's just about to get healed. Someone's about to get delivered. God's about to step into somebody's situation and make a difference. It says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them. I've said this before, but you might be new or you haven't been here. I hate to tell you this, but whether you think you're a Methodist, a Baptist, a Catholic, or, or anything else, you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a Pentecostal. Because you, the church that you belong to of Jesus Christ was born on the day of Pentecost. Tell someone next to you, you're Pentecostal. I know I messed up some of y'all real bad just now. Real bad. Why? Because that's the day the church was born. Everything else is just names that came along with divisions and this and that, and it don't make them wrong or right. It just makes them wrong. And we're Pentecostal. If you're going to get anything right, you're Pentecostal. You're, our church was born on the day of Pentecost. Watch what happened that day. Verse 4. Why do we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we believe in speaking in tongues? Why do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because it's what happened when the church was born. It says, and they were all, all, not some, all, filled. That means everybody can have it. I mean, God wants everybody to have it. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Don't you want to have what they had 2,000 years ago? Don't you want to be what they were 2,000 years ago? Don't you want to walk in the power that they walked in 2,000 years ago? Because let me tell you something. They did a good job. They got the gospel all the way to Texas from Jerusalem. Now let's finish here. Go over to Acts chapter 1 real quick. I'm going to read just a few verses to close. Day of Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Why did they need that? Why did we just read that? Why did they go into that upper room? Why did they wait there 10 days? Why did they pray? Why did the Spirit fall? Well, the answer is right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, i got to get there myself. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And after that, through the power of man... What does it say? Through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles who he chose, and he presented himself, that's Jesus, alive after suffering many infallible proofs, being seen by them during how many days? Forty days. Why do we know they spent ten days in the upper room? Jesus appeared to them for forty days. Jesus went up into heaven. He said, I want you to go and wait for the promise. They went and waited for 10 days. And then it says, on the day of Pentecost. So 50 days from the resurrection, they were all in the upper room. And it says that they, he speak, spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now watch these next four verses. This is important. Because I believe this morning, before we leave, God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to visit us. He wants to equip us right now with what we need to make a difference outside these four walls. To be the answer, to be the resolve, to be the peacemakers. To have the answer that these people need. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. I, I could preach a whole nother message right here because what I'm seeing here is he says, don't go do your own thing. Today the church is too full of man's ideas and man's philosophies and man's theologies. How many know none of those things are going to work to stop a riot, to stop racism, to stop violence, to stop problems? What's going to work is what God says works, which is his spirit moving inside of a man or a woman telling somebody else there's hope for their situation and the name of that hope is Jesus. He says, don't depart and do your own thing. He says, stay there and wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. Now look at this verse 5. For John truly baptized with water. 
Water baptism is totally separate and distinct from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is an ordinance, an act of obedience that we do in water to symbolize the old man dying and the new man coming up. But he said, John baptized that way. He says, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, watch this, stay with me. And they asked and said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Look what the devil just did right there. Exactly what he tries to do with us. Distract us. Get us off of where he's wanting us to go. He's sitting there telling them this. I want you to go to this room, and I want you to do nothing else but wait. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. I don't want you to add this song. I don't want you to add that thought. I don't want you to add this book. I don't want you to, I want you to go and wait till I send my power so you can do what I need you to do. But we start, we get bored, we get distracted, we start throwing, we start wondering, we start looking around, we start doing other things. And they say, Lord, and they change the subject. Because the devil didn't want them to be filled. He didn't want that gospel to get to us today in 2020. So he said, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus nicely says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He's basically saying, stop changing the subject. Let's get back to what I'm trying to tell you here. He nicely rebuked them. Have you ever been nicely rebuked? It's better than being meanly rebuked. You still need it. but it's the delivery. Amen. Last verse. Why? Why is he doing all this? Why does he get the focus back? He says, because you shall receive power. We need power today, church. We don't need programs. We need the power of God. Do we still believe that God can do supernatural things? Do we still believe that God can heal George on his deathbed? Do we still believe that God can remove sickness and disease? Do we still believe God can deliver people from their past and from their chains and from their addictions? Does anybody over here still believe that? That it's in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, not in the power of the name of the church or a person, but it's in his name and that we got to believe in the supernatural we, we got to believe that God's got to intervene and step in. He says, and when that spirit has come upon you, upon you, comes down on you, you shall be my witnesses to me. In Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. Father, in this place this morning, on Pentecost Sunday, our nation is in an uproar. Our nation is in problems. Our nation is facing things we've never faced before because now we're adding this on to a virus we've been fighting for several months and all kinds of uncertainty. And now this happens. And everything seems crazy and we don't really know what to think and we don't really know what to do. And, we, and as human beings, we can get in the flesh and we can kind of just begin to think, well, I'll do this or I'll do that. And what you're telling us this morning and what you're telling me is get your eyes back on the cross. Get your eyes back on the author and the finisher of your faith. Get your eyes back on the one, the only one who can change this situation. It's Jesus. How many in this place this morning as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place or you're watching on, on TV or YouTube or Facebook or listening on the podcast, you are not saved. You have never said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You have never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. You have been trying everything in your power. You've been listening, going, talking, thinking, trying, experimenting, stressing, and all these other things. And Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and saying, if you'll let me come in, I will sup with you and you can sup with me. I'll abide in you if you'll abide in me. He'll do a miracle in your life this morning. He will set you free. He will write your name in the Lamb's book of life, and you can know that you can have eternal life, that you don't have to be afraid to get hit by a semi-truck. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're ready to face your Creator. You can know that you'll go to heaven because Jesus wrote your name down, and He'll remember you because you've confessed Him as Lord. How many people in this place could say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. I need Jesus to come into my life. Would you just lift up your hand all over this place? 
God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? All over this place. I need Jesus. I, I need to be saved today. I'm going to wait just a moment. You're, maybe you're watching online. You're listening on the podcast. We're going to say this prayer in just a moment. The prayer that changed all of our lives. The prayer that changed my life almost 28 years ago. That d- d- destroyed the old man I used to be. The old man I don't want to hang out with. The old man I don't want to be around. Because he was a mean person. Prideful person. An arrogant person. A person who treated people bad. I don't want to be that person today. I want to realize that I'm nothing without Jesus. That I'm lowly. I'm, I'm humble. I want to humble myself. I want to say, God, you've got the answers. You're everything to me. Doesn't matter where I came from. Doesn't matter what I've done. Jesus, you're my answer. How many more would say, that's me. I've never done that. He says, if you'll confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. He said, if you're ashamed of me, though, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. He'll say, I don't know you. You rejected me. I reject you. Maybe you're here this morning and you know the Lord. You've said a sinner's prayer. You've put your faith in Jesus. But today you're kind of far away from God. You've kind of, didn't even realize it, but you've kind, of, you've kind of drifted out into the middle of the ocean and you're lost this morning. And you know you need to get right with God. How many can say, Pastor, that's me. You're talking to me. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Amen. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning, would you? Stay in reverence, please. Please don't grab your phone. Please don't think about what you're going to go eat because right now is the best part of the service. This is where God wants to do something in us. This is where God wants to pour his spirit out on us. I don't know about you, but I need his spirit. I don't know about you, but I've got a a call. I've got to answer. There's people who need my voice. There's people who need your voice. There's people who need your resolve. Don't think so big. Man, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do any. I can't do anything. No one listens to me. There's somebody around you who will listen to you. You can make a difference in one person's life if you just show them Jesus. How many want people to see Jesus in your lives? As they look at you, if they get around you, they say there's something about you I don't have and I want. I want that in my life. Today we're going to say a prayer. I want, I want you, if you raised your hand for salvation or rededication, Or again, if you're watching online or you're listening on the podcast, we're going to say this prayer because tomorrow is not promised. How many know that? Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. If you raised your hand, I want you to quickly step out of your seat to the nearest aisle, and I want you just to come down here this morning. I want to pray for you. Come on, just step out. You raised your hand. Don't wait for somebody else. Just come. Several hands went up. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Just come. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. But you know that you need to make the decision today. You need to give your life to Jesus today. Amen. Hallelujah. As they're standing there, maybe you still, something's still saying, go. I'm not right. I'm not ready. Come give your life to Jesus this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He sees your hearts. If you're watching online, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to say this prayer before we close off the the, t- the, the video or, or the, the podcast so that everybody has the opportunity to do this. I want everybody to say this with me. Lord Jesus, you're everything to me. I know I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life Forgive me for my sins. Wash me clean from all unrighteousness. I'm lost without you. Jesus, in all your mercy and your grace, would you write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And I promise from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to listen to your voice. And I'm going to try to have your heart Thank you, Jesus, for writing my name in the book of life. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise for those who've made the decision today. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. As you, if you just close your eyes again, I want to pray for one more thing. This is really important. I want to pray for two people, two types of people this morning in this place. I hope everybody responds in one or the other. The first one is, you believe in Jesus, you're saved. 
but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't have a prayer language. You can't. You can't. You don't speak in tongues. You don't have that. That uh, what Acts talks about. But you want to. I want to pray for you. I want to open up this altar and you can come down and you can say, Lord, just as you baptized those people in the upper room and just as you gave them power to witness, I want that power this morning. If that's you, I want you to come in a moment and I want you to seek the Lord. Not, not, not the baptism, not tongues, but the Lord. I want you to say, God, fill me with everything you have from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I need the power of God to make a difference in this world. It is a game changer. We call it the game. It's a game changer. If you talk to somebody in this place, myself included, who, who, who didn't have it before and they got it, they're like, how did I ever live without this? It is a life-changing event because it gives you a boldness that you don't have. It's not a salvation issue. It's not going to keep you from heaven. But I do believe it will keep you from the fullness of what God wants you to do before you get to heaven. So seek it. The Bible says he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be filled. The other one is, if you've gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have that prayer language, you have that fullness of God, but maybe you're dry this morning and you want to get refilled. Or maybe you're, you're overflowing, but you're saying, God, I want more. I want more so I can go out of these doors this week and I can give out of myself so I can be refilled again. That's what we should be doing as believers. We should come in to church and get filled up we should go out, we should let it all out. We should spend ourselves, pour ourselves out into people, and then come back in here. You know, that's why we feel the presence like we do, because God wants to refill us. So as we sing this song, I want you to come. Whether you're one of those two people, I want you to find a place at the altar. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to lift up your spirit. And I want you to say, God, fill me this morning with your power and your presence and your spirit, Father, baptize me in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Come on, just come with a heart of expectancy. Come with a heart of, of power. Come with a heart of fire this morning. Receive what God has for you. Lift up your voice. Say, Lord, fill me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, Jesus. Do a work in me, God. Give me boldness, Jesus. I believe the Lord is going to visit us this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit is here to fill us and baptize us and equip us this morning. Hallelujah, Father. Come on, just receive what God has for you. Oh, Jesus. They that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled, the Bible says.
Oh, come on, just lift your voice. Just lift your hands all over this place. Hear us from heaven. Oh, hear us, Lord. We cry out to you, Lord. Oh, come on, church, let's begin to cry out for our nation. Let's begin to cry out for this city. Let's begin to cry out. Yes. Fill me up, Lord. Would you make that your cry this morning? Lord, fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, stand again. Fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Oh, Jesus, fill me up, Lord. Oh, pour out your spirit, God. We need a touch from you. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit.